Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so we are exploring some material from Tafsir Ibn Kathir. And let me just pull up the webpage. Would you use Q-Tafsir? Yes. I also used other sources a oh. little bit, but oh. mostly because nice. it's self-explanatory. I'm impressed. Okay. And are we starting with Al-Fatiha? Yes. Okay. And... All right, fire away. Okay, so I'm going to start talking about Al-Fatiha generally before I go into the specifics of okay. it. So starting with just, like, point of view and um, in terms of, like, stylistic choices, mm-hmm. uh, Surah Al-Fatiha compared to other surahs is actually from the reader's point of view, not Allah's point of view, mm. like other surahs. Um, in a way, it's show it's Allah using that surah to show how servants should supplicate to him. Uh. And I'll talk about more of that when I get into the specific lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, based on Ibn Kathir, it talks about how this... There's a lot of narrations showing that this surah is required in every rakat of prayer. Otherwise, your prayer does not count. Mm-hmm. And then now getting into the more specific stuff. Um, there's a lot of important mentionings throughout the surah. And I think it covers the core concepts of Islam as a religion really well. Um, first of all, it starts with talking about the names of Allah. So the very first names we're introduced to are compassionate and merciful which speaks to the emphasis on mercy within islam and allah's mercy on his believers and then it talks about the day of judgment which is a core part of islamic theology um your life in dunya is all leading up to how you will be um decided about on day of judgment and then a really big concept other than that is talking about the straight path so islam is also referred to as the straight path and the surah talks about believers wanting to continue on the straight path and turning to Allah alone to guide them down it. And any other path is um, considered to have gone astray um, and it's the path of those who are going to face Allah's wrath. And so the surah, by talking about that, is also telling you what will happen to disbelievers. Um, from Ibn Kathir specifically, uh, this surah is, um, Allah states that the surah is divided into two parts, um, between himself and then his servants. And, um, a core part is, um, he says, my servant shall acquire what he has asked for. And each line of the surah is the servant asking for something. So in the second line, which translates to all praise and thanks be to Allah, the Lord of existence, Um, Allah responds by saying that my servant has praised me. And then following that, um, the most gracious and the most merciful, the response to that is my servant has glorified me. And um, after that, the bigger line, which is verse 5, it talks about you alone we worship, you alone we ask for help. Um, Allah says that the servant will acquire what he has asked for, and in this case he's asking for guidance. So he shall receive guidance from Allah. And the final part, which talks about guiding us to the straight path, once again, Allah says, this is for my servant, and he'll acquire what he asks for, so he's given guidance to the straight path. That's all I got. Okay, very good. So let's even look at these these particular parts that you mentioned, especially the Tafsir Ibn Kathir parts. 
So, first part, um, you know, whoever performs any rakah without, uh, without al-fatiha, uh, um, the prayer is not valid. Okay. And, and so, so think about how central al-fatiha is. Uh, we might take it for granted because we recite it so often, but the fact that we're, t- we're told to keep repeating it in every rakat is also making the point that we should keep asking for guidance. Mm. And think about that combination. The fact that you're reciting it means you're already asking for guidance. The fact that you're making prayers means you're already asking for guidance. And it's almost like the first response is to ask again. Because mm-hmm. then you're asking again in the next rakat, then you're asking again in the next rakat, you're asking again in the next rakat. And even though we say al-Fatiha is the request for guidance and the rest of the Quran is the answer, Another way to think about the answer to al-Fatiha is itself al-Fatiha. Okay. That you ask for guidance and then you ask for guidance again. Now if we put that, if we simplify that point, what are we saying? That the request for guidance is itself an act of submission to Allah. Oh, okay. It's an act of surrender. Which means by definition, it is guidance. Okay. So the fact that you're asking for guidance means inshallah, you're being guided. And so then you keep asking for guidance. Mm. And then what is the big picture that's being told to us is that the whole essence of this relationship is that we keep asking. And the best thing to ask for is guidance. And so you can ask for obviously money, grades, um, good family life, etc., food. But the best thing to ask for, along with all those, is to keep asking for guidance. Does that make sense? Yes. I also think um, the surah lends itself really well to the shahada. Because okay. when you're talking about no ilah but Allah, we're talking about like what are you turning to uh-huh. in your most desperate moments. And through Fatiha, you are turning directly to yes. Allah. That's exactly so you're reinforcing it. the shahada mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, I think that's it uh, 100%. Yeah. And then regarding this other part, uh, the narration from Abu Huraira. Um, <laughs> Uh, actually, that's a, uh, or I mean, this this other part where Allah Ta'ala is saying that He has split um, um, the the Quran between, or the Al Fatiha between Himself and His His uh, uh, His servants, so Baini wa Baina Abdi Nisfain, so in half, and so <laughs> um, so repeating and then expanding upon some of the points you mentioned, so. We say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and then we say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, and then Allah's response is that my servant has praised me, and and so, so uh, so literally Hamidani Abdi, and then then we say the next part. So so even try to comprehend this. Uh, uh, let's say you're praying by yourself and you say Al-Fatiha. So as soon as you say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Allah's response is my servant has praised me. Hamidani Abdi. Who is he saying it to? To the servant himself? Or? So uh, he is either saying it to himself or he is saying it or he is probably saying it to the angels. Mm. And so now think of, of, of another dimension of this. There's always something joyous when somebody we respect or somebody of importance uh, has us on their mind. Mm. 
Mm, he praises us. And yeah, and they're praising us. And so like, you know, like we often like to see our name in print because mm-hmm. that means other people are seeing our name. Yeah. yeah. That gives us some type of esteem. Or if our boss mentions us positively to, you know, other, um, other people at their level, that, that gives us a certain type of joy. So when I'm saying Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, as I just did, Allah Ta'ala has just told the angels that my servant has praised me. Mm-hmm. So, so think about whoever it is, you know, whatever celebrity it is that, you know, that you, have the, you give the most esteem to, whoever it is, then imagine that person saying something nice, to you, nice about you, like tweeting something nice about you. Okay. So here we're saying Allah Ta'ala is doing that. Gosh, it's interesting because I feel like this is one of the few instances like talking about like dialogue between a believer and Allah. I don't think that gets covered very uh-huh. often uh-huh. in any Islamic class I've taken. Uh-huh. So that's interesting. I think it makes prayer more personal. If anything. Absolutely. Yeah. So. That's literally what's happening. Every time we say Alhamdulillah, then immediately Allah Ta'ala is saying Ahmadini Abdi. And now imagine, so that's you praying by yourself. Now imagine you're at Hajj uh, or you know, you're in Mecca with three million people and everyone is reciting Al-Fatiha. And each time Allah Ta'ala is saying, Hamidani Abdi. And so that's sort of the commitment that he has given in response. So just as he said, this surah is, we're being given the words, we're saying this from our perspective as opposed to uh, Allah's perspective, you know, whatever that means. Um, meaning the Allah's perspective, but uh, our perspective, we're the ones speaking. Mm-hmm. And Allah Ta'ala has given us the words, and then he is also favoring us by then talking about us. So is this like um, this narration of, you know, the Fatiha being divided into two halves? Is that specific to reciting Fatiha just in prayer or reciting it in general? Uh, I don't believe it's just in prayer. I think it's uh, in, general, in general, but Allah knows best, yeah. And so then, uh, uh, I mean, well, let's see. Qasamtu salat Okay, so uh, the word salah, um, specifically in the context of the, this hadith, seems to also be referring to al-Fatiha. Okay. So in the way these different things we have uh, have different names. So the Quran is known as the Quran, uh, but it is also known as a dhikr so like the remembrance. Mm-hmm. And Al-Fatiha, uh, one of its names is Al-Fatiha. Another one, I believe, is actually the Salah. Because it is the essence of the, of the whole Salah. Mm-hmm. And then repeating, so when we say Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, then, uh, then again Allah Ta'ala responds. Athna ala abdi. Or alayya abdi. And so, so Allah Ta'ala is, again, either proclaiming that uh, that my my servant has has glorified me has praised me, um, or and or he is telling the angels. Okay. And then uh, when we say Maliki Yomidin again, Allah Taala speaking, Majadani Abdi, and so so my my servant uh, has, and then Majid is sort of like ex, uh, expressed my majesty. And then, you alone we worship, you alone we ask for help. And Allah Ta'ala is saying, okay, this is between me and my servant, and my servant will have whatever they ask for. So we also, through this process, have a formula for how to make other du'as. 
And that is you begin by praising Allah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, before I say this, if we were to mention Allah as a human, then we would say, okay, it's almost like you're buttering him up, but that's not what's <laughs> taking place. When you and I are praising Allah, then what's taking place, we are actually humbling ourselves. Good. That when I am saying Allah is Ar-Rahman or he's Malik, I'm speaking of him in these superlatives. And thus, in the process, I'm saying, in contrast, I'm not those things. I am not those things, or I'm the recipient of those things. So he's Rahman, I'm a type of Marhum, and, you know, uh, he's Malik, so I'm Mamluk, you know, along those lines. That he is the, the one who gives compassion, I'm the recipient of it. He is the master, then I am the owned, I'm the servant. I also really liked, um, or my I guess this caught my attention a lot, is when the narration is, my servant shall acquire what he sought. And I feel like that brings a really important emphasis on making dua, because, you know, I feel like we learn a lot, oh, if you just ask for something, you're either going to get it, mm-hmm. you're going to get something better, or mm-hmm. Allah will have you wait. Mm-hmm. And this is reinforcing that idea of you simply have to ask, and Allah's mm-hmm giving he's yeah. generous absolutely it's an implied name in the mm-hmm. surah yes exactly and then as you said what are we uh, fundamentally asking for we're asking for guidance and guidance mm-hmm. in a straight path and he says this is for my servant and then we, we made this point at the beginning that um, the fact of the request for guidance is by definition already stating that i have a certain amount of guidance and so the more that I request guidance, and the more my heart is in this request, then by definition, uh, the more uh, I am getting guided. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, any other thoughts? That was it. Okay. Oh, I did have one. Yeah. Um, this, this was one of my favorite concepts from your class, actually, about how... You kind of also mentioned it, um, how this is serving as sort of the key to the rest of the Quran. Because uh-huh. you need, you have to go through like the humbling process to later understand why you're asked to be doing certain things throughout your dunya, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so when we're speaking of Al-Fatiha, the name, we often translate as the opener, opening, it's more accurately the opener. And thus, yeah, is a flashlight through which we look at the whole... Uh, rest of, of the Quran itself. And so it is the key for Salah, it is the key for the Quran. And and uh, I heard, and it's plausible that Al-Fatiha is literally the most recited uh, passage uh, in all the world. And it's, uh, it's plausible that not a second goes by in which it's not being recited somewhere in the world. Um, because we have Muslims in every corner. Mm. Of course, I don't know when that would have begun being the case because at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, there is just the Prophet mm. and he has al-Fatiha. Um, but with the spread of Islam, it is recited in mm. every corner of the world. And as the earth rotates, then it's happening every single moment. Because, you, know, you know, prayer is always like one minute off each mile or so you move forward. And so. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just, I feel like after reading this, 
it just my initial impression now is that you just you need to understand Fatiha to have the fundamental understanding of like the Quran and mm-hmm. the actions you have to take as a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, Tafsir ibn Kathir speaks a bit about recitation and such that we don't really need to, or recitation and prayer, that we don't need to get into for for our purposes, except, I mean, until we're reading out loud or quiet. Oh, another point is that uh, one of the names of Al-Fatiha is Ummul Qur'an. Yeah, I saw that. So the mother of the Qur'an, and this relates to our point that it is the key. And so the Hadith of Jibril is the mother of the Hadith. And so everything gets traced back to Al-Fatiha and in the context of Hadith. Everything gets understood mm-hmm. through the lens of the Hadith of Jibreel. And it also talks about how you should recite this in like the early dawn. Because I don't know if it was referring to the surah specifically or just Salah in general. Um, it was talking about, you know, recite the Quran in the early dawn. Verily the recitation of the Quran in the early dawn is ever witnessed. Oh, that's um, in um, Surah Al-Isra, Surah oh, 18. Oh, so that's yeah. past that. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, 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 so um, continue with the point you were making. Oh, because it also said um, the two sahihs recorded that the angels of the night and the day attend that prayer. Mm-hmm. So it might reinforce your point of saying, you know, Allah might be saying, oh, my servant has glorified me, my servant has praised me to these angels mm-hmm. that are attending. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, so that specific passage is speaking, uh, uh, prescribing that we recite Quran after Fajr. And, yeah, and then it's especially a witnessed uh, practice. And and it is also possibly even understood to be a form of protection, you know, uh, from those who are um, against you or after you or what have you. Yeah. Okay, uh... All right. Uh, how about for next time? Why don't you do the tafsir of isti'adha? Okay. And we'll go through that. So it's just like a couple of clicks after uh, al-Fatiha. Yeah, that's basically it. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafiruka wa natubu ilayk.